This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I am unashamed. What about you? All right, welcome back to Unashamed. Jace, what you got for us today? <laughs> I, have a mind, I have a mind riddle today. Uh-oh, a mind riddle. A riddle me this, um, a riddle me that. You don't see me A mind riddle. Now, when you, because today you have no idea, we all agree with what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about John 11, famous mm-hmm. statement of the I am. Have we figured out how many I am's we're going with yet? I think it's an. I don't in, know. It's if, if it's if, infinite now. Well, if we're you're just, an, if, if you're an infinite immortal being, then you would have an infinite amount of I am I am statements because you you are. So no matter what road we go down here, I never know, I've never known of anyone else trying to duplicate these I am's. I've never heard a, ma- a man stand up and say, "Oh, that I, I, I'm bigger and better than he is." I never heard heard a good so, argument. So the mind riddle is: if you think about things that have become extinct, what just let's let's name a few. So I'm going to give you a mind riddle in contemplating things that are now extinct. Can you name any? Anything that's Dinosaurs. Become, huh? Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are extinct. Very, yeah. very good, Al. Uh, I actually did, I don't know when I did this, but uh, I think I was doing something for the for our TV show. And... Because I was, we were finding stuff from the 17 and 1800s. Because every once in a while, you find something, and uh, you realize that we no longer use this anymore. I, you know, I, I found a pair of scissors. I won't go into details because it will be out on the show. But we used to have a pair of scissors that served a purpose that we no longer have. So the reason I found this type of pair of scissors is because once innovation came up, we didn't need this product. So they threw it out in the yard. And I found it about 150 years later because it was the most unique looking pair of scissors that you've ever seen. In fact, mm. I was staring at the scissors and couldn't figure it out. I was like, what is what is this contraption? It was used for something of that era. From that we That became extinct. Yeah. Because someone invented something else. So, the you want the answer to the mind riddle now? Or do you want to name a few things? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you my research. I came up with a few other things. So, some of the, because I looked up in the spirit of these scissors, hobbies of the 17 and 1800s that no longer exist. And uh, number one was quite fascinating because I just remember this one off the top of my head. Cemetery picnics. We don't do that anymore. Cemetery picnics. Yeah, at one time, that was a hot... People would go to cemeteries and have picnics. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Hmm. Now, I don't know why that went extinct, but it did. I'll tell you another one, a hobby they Were they thinking somehow they will see them again or 
It just said cemetery picnic. Had a big write up. I mean, was it a spiritual type picnic? <laughs> just said they gathered and had picnics. He was a great man while he lived. He was a bad man. But I'll you tell know. you another thing, especially popular among teenagers in the 17 and 1800s, they would go witch hunting. They would go hunting for witches. And I guess kill them night. when they got to them? No, I don't think they'd find them, but. You know, they were just hunting for them. Yep. Hmm. Well, certainly during that era, yeah, definitely there was a a much bigger deal about witches. Remember, they had the witch trials, and there was a a much bigger attention back in that day, especially in American history, about that sort of thing. But, Jace, you made me think. So I was thinking about anything in terms of, like, music or entertainment, there's been tons of things that are extinct kind of as one thing dies out and the next thing comes along. Like, you know, they used to have the, you'd have to crank something to play the record. And then the, of course the lineage of how you were able to listen to music throughout time, all the way up to all the different various things. One thing became extinct because the next thing came along. I mean, I, I listened to eight tracks that became cassettes, that became CDs, that became, you know, the evolution of each one of those things. Each one of those became We watched extinct. that unfold. One of the biggest problems we had as just coming along when we were in, were teenagers, there was no way, I mean, when I say no way, there was no way of communication other than they finally broke through. I remember them putting telephones in our house saying we can now talk to anybody on down the road down there. But there'd be six people on one number, and everybody had to say, well, you hang up. I'm I'm busy right now. So we had seven people who could use it, but it was very, what's the word? It's, uh, it's a thing that just came upon us. We could contact our neighbor other, other than hollering at your neighbor to try to get him to hear what you're saying. We 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 didn't have any kind of contraption. I mean, for sure, a computer where you could just ring him up. I mean, and talk to him. I mean, it was it was a hassle. I remember when we didn't have that technology, and I'm not. You still have a few landlines, but I just thought about it. That's something that's extinct. When's the last time you saw a payphone somewhere? A payphone. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's every totally street extinct. corner used to have a way to contact somebody. If you're just out there, got in your rig and it. But I saw that whole era come along. I was sitting there when somebody said they got a deal coming and, and it's going to be like you can watch a movie inside your house. I said, oh, what are you talking about? There ain't no way. We were paying 15 cents to go to the movie up there, downtown Vivian, Louisiana. But, <laughs> uh, but, th- but if, it never occurred to me that there was an era that was right at the door to where you could contact people instantaneously all over the world. I mean, I was in an era where none of that was going on. I mean, I remember Jay-Z. seeing it come. Now, whether Jay-Z. it was a good thing or bad thing, I'm not sure, but now I'm shocked. I, I never got caught up in that. I just, I just said, I backed out of there and said, I don't want anybody in the world just with a little box in my hand. I, I don't want people ringing me up all the time. Jace, you remember every Friday and Saturday night back in the when we first got married in the late 80s, early 90s, every Friday night, mostly, but probably Friday and Saturday night, we were down at Blockbuster Video. Yeah, I was going to bring out, I was gonna bring out a movie. Up. I was going to bring that there, up. Well, did you no know, Blockbusters. Did yeah. you know that they're now trying to come back and they're going to have digital rentals? Really? It's not going to work. <laughs> Why do I have? I mean, you can do it off your TV. You can now rent a movie on your TV. I mean, COVID might have contributed to that, but Blockbuster, they just can't realize, which, and I love the Don't name, me. Blockbuster. Yeah. That'll never go extinct. Up 10 years later, bump, it just goes down. We, we started out by saying when it finally came around that truckers had a way to talk to each other up and down the as they were traveling. And, you know, they had a little box inside their truck. And uh, what they call them now, the, the truckers, they had the... Uh, CB. Yeah, CB radio, CB. So th- th- that yeah. came. That was a big hit. 
and everybody was wanting, we actually got us one where we could talk to somebody three miles ahead of us in the woods. We could talk to them. <laughs> and so we had CBs in our Jeeps and our vehicles. But, yeah. Uh, then all of that think left. That, all that left. I think a few of the uh, I think a few of the preppers out there still have some CBs. They're hanging on to for when the apocalypse happens yep. and the world ends. I think they're still hanging on to that. But I think for the most part, I think you're right, Dad, that that's gone extinct. I think, Jace, I read that the blockbusters. There's one left, and it's somewhere out in, in Oregon. There's one functioning blockbuster left, so it's not quite fully extinct my point is al we're sitting here inside this building where we leave to duck hunt but for the now it seems easy i never dreamed that what i'm saying right now millions are listening to what i'm saying that's right I mean, i'm looking at this mic and i'm thinking this thing was is going to do what so we can beam what you're saying to millions when you were in high school, all you could, only thing you could do was maybe holler at them, and then they go out of hollering distance where they they don't hear any what you got to say. You see That's what right. I'm saying? That's right. They're listening to you all, all over the world, Dad. Yeah, so I'll give and you. And they're watching you. I'll give I'm still you. shocked by it. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm shocked by it. So I'll <laughs> give you a few more from the Victorian age. Uh, we're going to go to England back in the 1700s, 1800s. Yeah. One of the things that they that used to be a big thing was fern collecting. Fern collecting. Collecting it was ferns. A, it was a phenomenon that took off in 1829, organized by a British botanist. And they would start cultivating plants in glass cases. So and it just became a thing. Victorians around the country were hunting desirable ferns to grow in their own homes. Hobby was especially popular among women because it offered them a socially acceptable excuse to be outdoors unsupervised. Hmm. Times were different back then, Phil. I'm telling you. So let me give you another hobby that took the world by storm that became extinct. Is now let me. Uh, I wish Zach was here because I have a Zach word anthropomorphic taxidermy. So in the 17 and 1800s, they would, they would stuff animals and then make art out of them. So they'd have like, and some of you are probably familiar with this, so they would have like a classroom of stuffed rabbits. And they would all be like, some, you know, one would have a pen in his hand and one would have glasses on. But they were rabbits that somebody went and shot, stuffed them, and then they would, they would make a set. So that became a thing. So everybody, they had like a fox and a, a raccoon having a discussion over the origin of life. You know, so it was called, do I have to say that again? Anthropomorphic. Taxidermy. So I'll give Jace's you Jace's word of the day. Anthropomorphic. <laughs> look, look taxidermy. It's kind of morbid <laughs> and looks, you know, what we do, you know, people hang deer on walls now, but there was a day when the hobby was they would shoot animals. I guess they would have a meal, and with what was left, they would make art. That was the thing. That led to a guy uh, starting the Bates Motel. So I have this one for Phil. This is why I kind of had this idea. But there was a day, Phil, when the big hobby was seaweed scrapbooking. Seaweed scrapbooking. Yeah, saltwater, seaweed. What does it mean? They would make scrapbooks (laughs) over various types of seaweed. The designs were more aesthetic than educational, with the seaweed sometimes arranged to spell out words or form images. It just died. I don't know why, but it just, people quit doing that. See what happens uh, when you have no TV or internet? <laughs> <laughs> A lot more right, time. Here's, here's another hobby. What's amazing, before you go on, I just want to remind <laughs> our listeners, I'm still shocked. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a state of shock 
on how quickly information is running in all directions. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm. It's an information. I, I, it's, world. it's almost like being blasted back. I'm, I'm trying to figure out <laughs> all this stuff is here, and and I started to try to enter that group to be part of it so get my voice in there. But I thought, no, I need to get out of this thing. I mean, it was just, it's just too much. The informa- information overload. Man, I got it. I got that disease. Information overload. I mean, I'm, I'm listening. So, and little buttons are going off and people are. Press the pause button so we can take a break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. They're standing in front of this gigantic machine. I'm like, get me out of here. I'm sorry, but that just it's just a shock to my system. I'm living with it. Somebody said, well, they're hearing what you're saying right now. I said, well, just just take a look inside. I said, surely there's something more that we can hold on to. Yeah, we're... We're airing this podcast on the same thing that I you're know it. screaming at. I know it. Okay. And I'm I'm still trying to deal with that. All right. Well, I'll only give you two more. <laughs> I walk out of the house. Case says, where are you going? You know, and I'm like, podcast. podcast. She said, oh, that's right, podcast. That's at 9 o'clock this morning. Yeah. And and then you're thrust into a situation where a lot of people say, and that idiot, I mean, that that, that guy, I mean, I don't know. We, we point them towards you, just saying, "Well, here's one way that that gives it, gets us out of here." You said, "Well, why are you dealing with that? We don't have anywhere else to go." All right, but I'm I giving just you keep life more simple than it has become. That's what I'm. We've trying to created. Say. I've created the perfect scenario for the mind riddle that I will reveal shortly. But before I do, a couple more extinct hobbies: making jewelry from hair. Making jewelry from hair. That used to be a big thing. That's that, just that still catch like on American, with you two. That sounds like American Indian. I mean, it's, you know. Uh, well, it may be. Uh, so they would actually, yeah, take, even while you're, I'm looking at this, you're right. They would, they would take the hair from the deceased and make keepsakes for to help cope with their loss. We stopped doing that for some reason. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I, Probably got, a good I, got, idea. <laughs> I got two more sending secret codes with flowers. So this was the Victorian world from the 1700s. They would communicate a thoughtful message through a bouquet of flowers, but the different kinds of flowers be, that were attached to, had different meanings. So you would have, this came along with knowing the dictionary of florography which is the language of flowers. So you get so you wouldn't just get flowers, you get different sets of flowers to go along with the dictionary and then there was a meaning that you had to find out what each flower what the message that it was sending. Hmm. Yeah. A fellow named Oscar Wilde was was designed for coming up with the floral codes. So, He's a famous author. That's and the last idea. one, because I thought this one was funny, is uh, back in the day, crystal gazing. So Christine, crystal gazers would stare into glass, orbs, mirrors, or gems, hoping to tap into the secrets of their subconscious minds. Kind of a lot went on, which another one was uh, train spotting. You know, people, that was a big hobby. You just go and, because people were fascinated, you know, one with, you know, discovering yourself by doing this, but even with the train spotting was like, it became a hobby because they were, they were thought the train was so incredible. 
So yep. they would try to get the different kinds of trains and the different stations they would stop. And, you know, people, but I think all those things died. You just look at the network of, of train tracks. You look at that network, and most of that came how far, how far back, Al? A, a hundred years? When did we went on? We went on this quest to, to connect all, all, all. We wanted a way, a fast way, faster way than horses or on foot. And they came up with this train thing. And, and to this day, what's amazing is we're still going up and down these tracks. I, I, well, hadn't, seen, I hadn't seen too much of a leap but by on how to get from point A to point B. They come up with airplanes and then jets, but the train tracks are still there. Yeah, when you're talking about vast amounts of territory, I mean, especially when the for the oh, U.S., I mean, I mean, it was it was amazing. a good way to get across. Yeah, and, and to do it cheap, cheaply, you know, that was the yeah. Thing. So the the mind riddle question for today is: What did Jesus make extinct? All of it. <laughs> hey, y'all laughing? What y'all laughing for? I'm talking. That's. I'm reading All these texts, well, and I'm like, he got rid of every bit of that. Well, I'll tell you this. I am who I am. You say before the railroad so, tracks, before. That's a good answer. Al, do you know uh, where I'm going with this? I don't Maybe. know, but I've I, never but heard this statement. It intrigues me, so You're, keep going, Jace. It, it, I've never heard this stated, so I didn't read this out of a book or anything. It just hit me. And so I thought, we'll do a riddle. And when Jesus said... I am the resurrection and the life. By that statement, he actually made death itself extinct. That is very well founded, and and you're on the right track. The very thing. So all these are not the mind riddle was. So everything that was like you just said. You said now who do you, did you read this out of a book? I didn't read this out of a book. Jace, what but you just said. Y'all just described everything that died. But Jesus, right. when he died, he actually, by his death and resurrection and making this claim, made death itself the actual act of extinction. Extinct. I thought that. that I is thought that's true. where you're going. You made extinction. Well, that's what I was going to say. Right. He made yeah. extinction extinct. Well, that extinct. is a miraculous probe of, of, <laughs> of, of your, your, your pontificating. That is pontificating 101. No, I got that from I read. So I read on. Here's I'll just how my mind works. So where we're going to talk, you know, we're doing the I am. So when he said I am the resurrection and the life, I introduced this subtly, Al, last podcast. No, the podcast before, because I wanted to reveal it then, but I said no, I'm going to wait for it. But he said I am the resurrection and the life. This is eleven twenty five, and we're going to go through the story that where this statement came from. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believe whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Yep. That's where mm-hmm. I got the idea. I thought, wait a minute. He actually okay, it's one thing to say I am the resurrection of life. He who believes in me will live. Well, I'm looking around like, well, I believe in you. So I'm going to live, even though I die. But then he he takes it on another notch. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So at first I asked the question, well, which is it? Is it that I'm going to live even though I die? Or is it that I'm going to live and will never die? And then I realized the point. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans eight eleven, which is a fantastic verse. If it is living inside of you, also give life to your mortal body. So there's, and you can, there's other verses that support this. You remember when uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul said the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Yep. And so 
even though we haven't gone through this process, it, it, it is not a process that we dread. It, it goes back to what we studied in Second Peter. We're not focused on, on the departure anymore. It's now arrival because he's making statements like this. If you can be raised from the dead or if you can raise another from the dead who is dead, you, you have now made death extinct. Yep. Extinction is extinct. The greatest fear of all men has become extinct. If you think about it, to your point, so all of in culture, they attempt to do in a pitiful way what Jesus has done, To which to your point you've been making on the podcast since we began, culture tries to do to be like God in the Bible is they try to do what he does, but do it in a, in a more pitiful way. They try to make all those things. A lot of them, you mentioned those extinct things. They keep trying to bring them back. Oh yeah. Like, so the dinosaurs, <laughs> the dinosaurs are extinct. What do you get? You get Jurassic park, oh, yeah. Jurassic world. We got, you know, all we got to do is go find a mosquito that bit a dinosaur and we can take the DNA and we bring what we do. We bring the dinosaurs back. Or I was thinking about the, uh, you know, the witch hunts or the taxidermy or all the different things you try to bring back into the into the modern environment. So the you attempt to do it, but they don't ever do it. Like the blockbuster, we're going to bring it back. We're just going to bring it back digitally, but it just it's not the same. It's not the same as what Jesus did. Yeah, I mean it's like the illustration of the hamster going around the wheel it just because they say everything makes a comeback just if you look at the life that we have on the earth from 30,000 feet everything goes out all the fads come we didn't even bring up since we're three men the women's fashion because everything seems to make a comeback yep at one time, the bell bottom, uh, you know, slacks. That was during the hippie movement, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm noticing that they're wearing those again. Are they? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm they're like, back. what? They they waited forty fifty years, and then it. But when you start considering this, there it, it is literally like a hamster going over. Nothing's being accomplished. It, it yeah. just. And even some of the hobbies I met, somebody hear that and say, you know, let's go have a picnic in a cemetery. I mean, yeah. Why not? I mean, why was that a thing, you know? Or let's go stare at a glass orb and see if I can figure out who I am. I'll go ahead and <laughs> cut to the chase and tell you, no. You only discover that you need some help. Yeah, I've always wondered <laughs> about all these statues. You you look at these statues and, and the, it took uh, a lot of time and effort to build them, saying this, that, or the other, old timers riding on horses and and war pictures and all that, but but then you go through a system now. What we're on is let's tear all them down, just just tear all the the pages of history, tear it up and throw it in the trash and burn it. What's the deal going on with that? Just think about it. They built all these statues. To honor this person, that one, that one, another one. This is what he was known for. You can read back. Yes, where he was. You went through seventeen and eighteen hundred on things. Well, we, a lot of statues come out of that. But now we're in the process of watching them be all pulled down and destroyed. What, what's what's what, what's culture saying to us? Because you can't change. You, you can't change what happened, and so. I mean, there's no what what's happening is the I think it's the just the passion to make injustices right, and but you can't go back and change. So you say, well, we'll just destroy every bit. We'll just forget it. Yeah. But it's the same thing we do with death. When you think about it, because death is what we're talking about here, being extinct. So what? Do, how do people view death today? And I'm saying outside of Jesus. They either deny it, the ramifications of it, or they embrace it. And you say, but both can be a lie because you say, well, how do people embrace it outside of Jesus? 
Well, they just say, well, it's it's going to be fine. We're we're just going to be energy. I'm just going to be absorbed into the energy. There's always a, or you know, everybody that I've known that has died, whether no matter what their beliefs or people are like, well, I'm sure they're looking down on us now. Everybody's looking down on us now, and everything's great. It, it's like that. That's the embracing. It, it's a good, th- or it's denial of people are just like nothing to it. You're just you're just dead. So I'm looking at those two things, thinking, well, that's just the human brain trying to come up. Because I mean, nobody's going to say there's some kind of consequences for for life after death who's going to want to embrace your mind can't go there so that's basically what we do but so when you see what we have in jesus we're actually we actually answer your question because there's plenty of verses in the bible about god making things right he's like don't you administer your justice on all the injustice, you know. There's the member of the verse that says, "It's like someone heaping burning coals on his head." Yeah. God's gonna make the sins of the past and the injustices right. He's very clear on that. He also says that we're not gonna die. Those who have faith and trust, surrender to it. We're we get to live forever with other people who are like minded, and and the picture is is amazing. So. I, that's what I'm. It's something that people have to address, and so I think what my point is, and where I'm going with this, when I, I made that reference, that when he said, Paul said, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. I don't think we should embrace death, you know, outside of Jesus, or deny death outside of Jesus. I think we should view it as an enemy. It, it's an enemy. Yep. If you viewed it as an enemy, the finality of it all is it's yeah, an enemy. Death is an enemy. It's to, final to you. It, it is the ultimate enemy. So when that statement is made that Jesus, by His resurrection and by Him coming back, that He ultimately destroys the last enemy to you, and He's viewing it as an enemy. This and is it is, it is it is said to be destroyed. He He destroys it. He He makes it extinct. And look, this is why we warn and persuade people. I mean, we we shared God's grace on a cross in Jesus. You know, his perfect light. We talk about his birth being a miracle, and it was, and God's plan. And we talk about the teachings of Jesus, but it's more than this. It, we, we, we talk about him, you know, going the, the, to the, the cross concrete. motivates us. But why we warn and persuade people is because he came back out of that ground. And he 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 took a guy here in John eleven who'd been dead four days and said, "What is, the the word is almost funny? It's like yeah, he's just he's asleep. What did you you uh you made reference to this earlier? He said I'm gonna go wake him up. Yeah, where exactly is that? Verse eleven. Yeah, verse eleven. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Okay." <laughs> I just think if somebody actually just think about anybody's approach to death with yeah, that statement. That's what I mean. It wasn't a joke, but it almost sounded like a joke. Well, yeah, people laugh today. Oh, they'd laugh. They'd you say, stood up at the next funeral you're at and said, "Look, I'm gonna give it two or three days, and then I'm gonna go wake him up." There would be people that would intervene on your behalf in that moment, and probably a straitjacket would be involved. That's right. I'm so glad you made the point about the enemy part of this, because I think that's the second half of this situation, because the first half, it's obvious that he realizes what he's going to do, because he even waits and delays and allows him to die, because like they come to him in time when he's sick, that he could have made it down there and healed him, or it was we know, because he's healed people from a distance, so he could have healed Lazarus. But he allows him to die because he's going to raise him from the dead because he's proven a point that he has the power over death. And he's going to show the resurrection. But the second half of this, when he weeps, verse 35, and he shows this compassion, I think proves your point that you were saying about how he feels about death. 
And even his own dealing with his own death in the garden and the agony he shows about facing it. I think your point is well taken. And I agree a hundred percent. There's a reason why we fight, even though we know about the resurrection and we know about heaven and we know about all of it. There's a reason why we fight tooth and nail right up until the moment we die to not die. And that is, it is the ultimate enemy. God made us to live because he is life and he is the light of men. And so I think people are way too flippant about death sometimes in Christianity because while we do know about the resurrection and life, God made us to survive and live. It's in us to survive. And so it is the ultimate enemy. And Christ is the is the ultimate victor. But at the same time, until we get to, into eternity, it is something we fight to tooth and nail, I right. think, to the bitter I end. do a lot of counseling with people, you know, who have not that I'm a counselor. I'm saying I've been asked by many people, especially teenagers, and, and it's when people uh, usually – the guys I've talked to are young men who have suicidal thoughts and they're like, you know, can you help me with that? And I bring that this point up because I'm like, God is life. You know, what you're contemplating uh, doing of taking your own life is in direct contrast to what God is calling you to do. He's calling you to live. Now, I do also make the spiritual point is the reason you're having these thoughts is because I believe you do realize how broken you are and how worthless you are. And these are good things in the context of how you're relating yourself to who God is. That's why you need him. And so then I give the picture of the spiritual suicide, which I think what baptism is, and God is embracing. You, there is a surrender that takes place. So it makes them feel better about how they're feeling because I'm like, you're going down the the right path in that, there's nothing good about you, and you you must surrender. But it's a spiritual thing in the context of who you're surrendering to. The physical thing, you're embracing the evil world. That's that's the evil one's tactics, you know, based on Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. So when, when it says that Jesus came to destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who by all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's why I had my hand on that verse, but you <laughs> yeah. you read it before I could read well, it. Well, I actually just quoted, I guess it was the Holy Spirit. So I, I think we should, I want to go through this story a little bit to get the context. I know we studied this in the book of John, but still we're, we're making a, a point where Jesus keeps using these I am references and he's doing miracles, and he's doing miracles not to just wow the crowd. We did this a couple of podcasts ago. He's The miracles are centered around things that cause people pain and suffering and, and grief. And, and fear. Yeah, fear and grief. What, what I'm saying is I, I, I made this Hell point. Hell and slavery. I, I made this point two or three times. I'm going to make it again. He could have done more fantastical miracles. And you say, well, how could it be more fantastical than raising somebody from the dead? Well, he, he, could, he could have gone to the Roman Colosseum where everybody's writing articles about the gladiators and all that, killed everybody, and then bring them all back. You know, he could kill the lion and then put the, detach the head of the lion back on the, on the line. I mean, he could have done all this. He wasn't trying to wow the crowd. But in every miracle that we've seen, he's healing the blind, he, the cripple, the lepers, the uh, the demon possessed, the you know all the in this case, all these things cause grief. You lose a loved one, and he's he's showing us what the nature of our purpose is going to be, in that he has the way to provide comfort in all these things, and I think that matters. So in this, look, John 11, you got a man that's sick named Lazarus, who was his friend. He had multiple uh, encounters with Mary and Martha, and he he had laid now sick, and this was the same one, uh, Mary, who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You remember that? Because she had, she had realized, uh, you know, who Jesus was and what was going to happen to him. So it's not like these they didn't already have some belief in him so the sisters sent word to jesus lord the one you love is sick when he heard this jesus said the sickness will not end in death no it is for god's glory so that god's son may be glorified through it so that's 
why the miracle is going to occur. And even though he says that, it's still hard for people to trust because what's going to happen doesn't seem to line up with that statement. Because he said the sickness will not end in death. Well, what happens to him? Well, he dies. That, that's why he's going to clarify this. But it won't end up that way. Well, right. Jesus loved Mary, Martha and her, and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there uh, where he was two more days. And so then we have, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't around. And he does make a, there's a curious little paragraph here that we'll, we'll reference. When he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you're going back there? And Jesus answered, here's the peculiar little statement. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Now, if you fast forward this to uh, Paul's reference in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Jesus coming back and the resurrection in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, talking about the day shouldn't surprise you. You know, we're going to be raised. The day shouldn't surprise you. You should look forward to this. And then he gets into this dissertation about those who live by righteousness live in the day. We Those who get drunk do so at night. And so I... It kind of goes back to him referencing, I am the light, and nothing can be hidden before God, especially, you know, a lot of people think that when they die, that what they've done will be then hidden with them, to go back to your point about the injustice, but it's not true. It God knows everything that happened, everything that will happen, and that all comes to light. There's plenty of passages about that at the resurrection standing before God. So I think there's a little reference to that in there. He's not worried about being stoned and he's trusting in the Lord, I think is his point. You know, he's not worried about that. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up, which is kind of comical and crazy. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, that's what they say at the doctor, you know, just you need to get some rest. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So I'm li- I love that clarification. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. But Thomas, here's old Thomas who had some issues, uh, you know, believing, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Well, he missed it. <laughs> on, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now, Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary, she stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, well, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said, and here's this famous quote, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever believes, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world and after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. So when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, they keep saying the same thing. My brother would not have died. Now, this is interesting. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you 
laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So they're just looking at him cynical, saying, why didn't he heal him? I mean, he's... So Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, which, look, simply means when we hurt as humans, he hurts. He, he's, it's, it's coming off the hills of the gate and the sheep, and he knows us by name. And he, I mean, Jesus not only knows what we do, he has compassion for us. That's why I said that's, that was the use of his miracles. So he comes up to the stone, and he's moved, and he says, take away the stone. But Lord... You know, it's, there's probably a bad odor. He's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of the God, glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, come out. Dead man came out, Lazarus came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. I guess this is the first time a mummy actually came out in mummy clothing and a cloth around his face. Then he said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What a story. That's quite the story. I kind of like the idea of dying and you're not dead. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. You know what I'm saying? And the way they wrapped him up, I mean, that wasn't easy for him. I mean, literally, it was the mummy walk. You know what Therefore, I'm saying? For him, I don't, he, I don't he, care what anybody, the information he wants to expound on. But when we get to this, and I look at this, and the information I have at hand from an old record, 2,000 years old, I, I'm I'm looking at death, and I'm saying... They wonder why we follow him to the death because right. you don't really die. You just yeah. pass away. You're with the Lord. Immortality is yours. Immortality and life while we're here and immortality when we get there. It's, a, it's quite the promise, Al. It is. I never heard anything like Have you ever heard anything else that deals with this? Nope. Me either. There's nothing else like it. I did find it intriguing that, you know, because Jesus had raised some others that had just passed on, you know, hadn't been buried, you know, some others, the girl, the daughter, and the guy, remember, his, they were taking him out to be to bury him. Yep. This is the first person that had actually been buried that we see this happen. It had actually been four days. And I did find it interesting that he – address the father and he says it he says he does it for the benefit of those who are there in other words it's not like he had to like make a show of it but he did for the sake of those that were listening but i I wonder if there was some significance to that it's this idea we talked about before even himself about where you go and this idea of crossing over somewhere and coming back i mean I, i mean it's just all subjection for me i don't have any answers but i did i did find it intriguing that he did find it necessary to do what he did. And I don't, I don't really know the answer, but I did find it interesting that when someone seems to be gone for a few days, there is something unique about coming back, you know, and, and it was in this case too. So I, I think it may have something to do with that divide and come back. I don't know. It was Well, that's why I originally said, you know, that we, you know, us as just human beings, we did, we come up with this rationalization to, because deep down we fear it. I mean, that is that is the natural instinct on what yep. to do. So that's why when you start reading passages like it's an enemy, you should view it that. And uh, you remember in 1 Corinthians 15 where it said, you know, after Paul gives this elaborate depiction of how we're going to be raised, we're going to get a new body. And then he says, when the perishable, this is 54 or 15 of First Corinthians, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, which is two things. These are two reasons why 
Jesus made death extinct. If you're imperishable and you're immortal, death is not in the equation. No. Forever. It, that's, that's gone. It. That ended. But it says, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up, which I think is a, another word for extinction, in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your... Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? So, let I me mean, just think about a wasp. If you if he didn't have a stinger, how afraid of him would you be? Even though we're not that afraid, but it still hurts. But if 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 all of a sudden their stingers became non-existent, well, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even give us if he even if he was on your hand. You'd say, look and at the, the sting of death is sin. Well, right, which is so. You know, there was a natural order on where this all followed. Mm-hmm. In the garden, we were fine, and all of a sudden, mistakes were made, people were blamed, lies were told, separation occurred, and then because and death occurred because now. They didn't have access to that tree of life, and people started yep. dying. And yep. so, and meanwhile, God com- comes up with this plan to to bring Jesus here to take care of both problems, mm-hmm. and and He literally made them extinct, even the sin yes. part, because you know His His blood on the cross combined with the new imperishable immortal You mm-hmm. will make not only physical death extinct but spiritual death yeah and i want to uh we're out of time but i want to talk about that a little bit in the overtime because obviously the resurrection while we're mainly talking about the physical because that's what we looked at here in this story but jace you alluded to it there there's also a heavy spiritual implication that leads to the physical um or fit or physical to spiritual so i want to talk about that a little bit in our overtime as we kind of finish up this thought on the resurrection he gives us he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love it. So if you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed, and we'll wrap this up uh, in our overtime segment. So follow us over. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube, and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.